0: joy to be back with you all this morning. I've been back in the pulpit a couple of times for funerals, but not in here for a worship service. So it's a great joy to see everyone. And just to give you an update, uh, everything with my health uh, will probably just be month to month on getting blood tests and hopefully having those blood tests say everything's normal, go home, come back in two months. So that would be lovely. Pat's doing well. She's recovering today from a week of having two grandchildren with the anticipation of having one all of next week, and uh, she just wanted space, so I think she wanted me to be out of the house. That's—you know how that is. If you look with me at John's Gospel, Chapter 3, what is John doing? John's a witness. He was there from the very beginning. Uh, he was with John the Baptist. He was there when John the Baptist pointed and said, Behold the Lamb of God. And, well, John followed and has been following ever since. So we're here to understand this great interview. This is the first of the dialogues, many dialogues in John's Gospel, I think. That's why we all connect so much with John's Gospel. Jesus talks to people personally. He's going to talk to Nicodemus personally, but John was a witness. There are other early disciples that were probably present, whether it was in a room or whether it was outdoors. We just don't know. It was at night. And he witnessed this. And so, as a witness to it, he wants us to understand exactly what happened. He wants us to understand the interview but he wants us to understand, too, that you understand these things in order to be a witness. The things that he had heard, the things that he had seen, he's testifying these things to us today as we read this passage. We need not to, like sometimes in a classroom where students have their mugs and the professor has his jug, And so, the the idea is education is pouring information from the jug into the mug, and that's an education, but that's not an education in in Jesus' world. In Jesus' world, this information comes into our hearts and minds with the idea that it changes us, and we become, well, we become witnesses that testify as well as followers of Jesus. So let me read this passage now from beginning in um, chapter 2 where it says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, at the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them because he knew all people and he needed no one to bear witness about man. He himself knew what was in man. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, you must be born again. He cannot see the kingdom unless he was born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? How can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So is it with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, that whosoever believes in him uh, may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Let's pray. Now, Father, help us as I seek to open this and as we seek to understand this. We need to know it, we need you to change us. There's the need for testimony from us. There needs for us to be able to tell people what we've learned, what we've seen so that they can come and share, because they become believers because of our testimony. So help us in these things now, in Christ's name. Amen. Now when we look at this passage, we've got to have a context for it, and the context is simply this. For the last number of months, God has been, in a miraculous way, opening up heaven into the world of men. And so, um, it began with God sending John the Baptist into the wilderness, and he gave him a message to tell the people to repent and believe because the kingdom of heaven was at hand, and he was anticipating a time when someone would come to be baptized by him. He didn't know exactly who that person would be, but when that person was being baptized, the heavens would be open, and the spirit of God would come down and rest upon him, and John the Baptist would know at that time that was the one that was uh, to follow him, He was the forerunner, but Jesus would be the real person that God had sent into the world. And so there was this ministry of John the Baptist, but you know, there's a lot of great ministries where nobody comes. God had opened the heavens up by sending John the Baptist, but at the same time, what God did was, the message that went out, people like you and me were hearing about this. And as they heard about this, it wasn't John the Baptist that stirred them up, but it was the Spirit of God who began to stir them up. And as they heard that John was there preaching, they came to him and of course they were baptized in John's looking. Then one day the heavens really did open up because he baptized this person Jesus and the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit descended like a dove on Jesus and rested upon him and John knew that this was the Son of God, and John goes, or Jesus goes out into the wilderness. Well he's gone for 40 days and he comes back and John's had time to think, uh, what's all this mean? And so when he sees Jesus he says, now this is the opening up of heaven again, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The next day Jesus comes again and he has two of the disciples there. Behold, the Lamb of God." And these two disciples begin to follow Jesus. They spend time with Jesus. Now, what's happening during that time is Jesus is speaking to them, and their hearts are being opened. Their hearts are simply being opened to things that they've heard in the past, but they're hearing them in ways that are fresh and new and powerful because the Holy Spirit is working in this this teaching. Well, there are those that come and join, and they go off to Cana of Galilee, and well, here's this wedding where the wine runs out. Um, you know the story. Jesus tells them to fill these these large uh, these large vessels that were used for ceremonial cleansing. So, they filled them with water, and Jesus said, well, take that water now to the, uh, to the she- wine steward, and he does. And, the guy says, wow, this is the best wine. He changes the water into wine. The disciples see, it's a sign, we're told very clearly it's the first sign, and they believe. Heaven has been opened to them. They go down to Jerusalem, he cleanses the temple. Heaven has been opened to them. He rebukes the Pharisees who come directly to challenge him, just like they challenged John the Baptist. Pharisees weren't there because they are interested in the message. They are there defending their turf, and and Jesus just basically rebukes them, and the disciples see this, and now we come to this evening. So Jesus enters, first of all, introduces us and Nicodemus to his heavenly world. Then he opens up God's salvation as the kingdom of God and eternal life that's going to necessitate his going to the cross and his being glorified through being crucified. And then we see in John 3:16 that salvation is believing. We have to believe that message. So that's what we're looking at this morning. Now, the first thing you see is Nicodemus comes, and he's very respectful, it says here that he, he greets Jesus as a rabbi from God. the signs they're recognizing. This probably more give and- take might have been an hour might have been 45 minutes we can read it in just a couple minutes but this is a this is condensed but it flows just the, the way that the whole conversation that evening flew was flowing so jesus says to him truly truly i say unless a person is born again he can't see the kingdom of god nicodemus is there to understand about the kingdom of god and so jesus is telling them now we need to see what he's saying. You need to be born again. Well, that's a very concrete term. Jesus is using concrete terms. He's using the word flesh. He's using the word wind. He's using other concrete, everyday, earthly terms, that's what he's doing, to talk about spiritual realities. You and I were all born into this world. Now, I know a number of you always thought that maybe I was hatched because you've said that I was sort of a duck the whole time I was here. But no, I I had a mother. I was born just like you were. And uh, he's talking about being born. Everybody knows about being born. To come into this world, you have to be born. Well, what Jesus is simply saying, you have to be born again to enter into the world that belongs uniquely to God. That, that's, that's what he's trying to say to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, his answer, we, we can't understand it exactly, was he being a little bit uh, churlish with Jesus or was he just really mystified? We don't know. But Jesus then comes to him and comes back and he says, uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a person is born of water in the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. Again, very concrete terms, but it's expanded now. We're born in flesh, but to enter the kingdom of heaven, we've got to be born of spirit. We have a spiritual birth that's needed for us to enter the kingdom of heaven. And so, he's explaining these things. They don't evolve. Flesh doesn't just become spirit. There's a separate birth. There's a birth into this world. There's a birth into the world to come, into the heavenly realm. That's what Jesus is talking about. Now, we need to be clear about these things as well. The people that are our unsaved friends, they don't understand this, but they need to understand it. They need a spiritual birth. That's simply what Jesus is saying here. Then he says, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it. You do not know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. In other words, Spirit works, and we're changed. Now C.S. Lewis, uh, I think the date is November 27th, 2nd, 1963, you remember? Remember that day? You remember it for something else, but that was the day C.S. Lewis died. And um, he talks about his conversion. He said, my brother, uh, Warney, was going for a motorcycle ride asked me to get in the sidecar, the motorcycle. Now, I'd been investigating Christian things, been being witnessed to by a lot of the people that I knew that were intellectual Christians. They wanted me desperately to become a Christian, but I wasn't a Christian. He says, I got into the sidecar, and we went for a ride. Some 30, 45 minutes later, I got out of the sidecar, and I knew, that I was a believer. He said, I knew I was a Christian. I think that's a comfort to us. We don't know how these things happen. I can tell you a summer in South Florida when I was 22 and I wasn't a Christian. Things were happening, spiritual things were transforming in our area at that period of time. And um, I knew all the facts. I even, in a way, believed him, but I wasn't a Christian. And then, all of a sudden, people are saying, did you hear, he's become a Christian. And they're going, why? (laughs) They didn't buy that too well. But it was true, I'd become a Christian. Now how? Don't ask me. I was there, but I couldn't tell you how it happened. That's the way the Spirit works. It changes people. We want to change people, and we can't change people. Please understand, when you're witnessing to somebody, you can't change them. All you can do is witness, testify to them. The Holy Spirit can change them. I'm sure many of you would say, it was pretty much just like that with me as well. Well, the second thing that you see here is that Jesus is saying salvation comes through this whole idea of understanding that eternal life results from Jesus' crucifixion. You get to chapter three here, Nicodemus says, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and you don't understand these things? People don't understand these things. Nicodemus, our friends, One time we didn't understand these things. That's what he's saying here. But Jesus comes back and says truly, truly again. Third time he says this. What basically Jesus is saying is this, is I'm telling you the truth. Not, I'm not just telling you things that are, I know to be true. I'm telling you the truth. This is the way it works in the kingdom of heaven. Truly, truly, we speak of what we know. We testify of what we have seen. If I've told you earthly things and you don't believe, how are you going to believe if I tell you heavenly things? Notice the language here that keeps being repeated. Believing now. Believing is the word that's taken the place of born again. Believing, believing, believing. Stated positively, stated negatively, the important thing is believing. And so, truly, truly, I'm telling you these things. No one has ascended into heaven. Now, Nicodemus knew that. Jesus is talking about heavenly things, but no one's ever gone there How can they know? But Jesus is saying now, the one that can tell is the person who's descended from heaven. He can tell you what he has seen. He can tell you what he has heard. And that's what he's about. That's what Jesus is doing. He's telling us the truth. He calls himself the son of man. He's the man from heaven. This great mysterious person, the Son of Man, and Daniel, the Ancient of Days, is holding court, and one comes gloriously like a son of man, and to this one is given the eternal kingdom. These are heavenly things. To understand them and to understand actually what they mean and to whom they apply, These are outside the pale of comprehension of a Nicodemus because he's an earthly man. But Jesus is a spiritual and heavenly man, and he makes these things perfectly clear. Then he uses an analogy that that, uh, certainly Nicodemus is aware of. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. The context there was the grumbling people of God had finally come to a point where they needed discipline, and the discipline God decided to send into the nation of Israel was fiery serpents. And these serpents came and they were biting various people, apparently a large number of people, of the people of Israel. They were apparently very painful, they call them burning, fiery serpents, and they were poisonous, they caused death. The people cried out to Moses, for deliverance, like they'd called out so many times. And so he, Moses turns to God. And God says, Well, make a serpent like image, make it a brass, put it on a pole, and hold it up in the middle of the camp. I'm going to be gracious to whoever will turn from themselves to look at that serpent. And I'm going to heal them just for the faithful act of turning to look at the provision that I have made. And so Moses does that, and the people were healed. And by analogy, Jesus is saying here, I'm gonna be lifted up. I'm going to be lifted up. And when I'm lifted up, whoever believes in me, so he's saying, I'm gonna be crucified. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when he's lifted up, his people turn to him in faith, most all of us have done we've turned to him and we've believed in him with all our heart, mind, soul and strength we're growing in that belief our sins are taken away all of them we're cleansed from them forever and we're given eternal life now you know these things you've got all kinds of friends that they really don't but you know them, you need to Testify of what you've seen of God working in your life. And testify the things you've heard and learned about how Jesus has worked so well in your lives and other people's lives in this church. It's our goal. It's our duty. It's what we are as Christians. John then sums this up in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life the connection between born again and believing look at it in john chapter 1 verses 11 to 13 it says jesus came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him now catch this as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of god even those who believe in his name who were born of god It's believing. It's simply believing. Believing Jesus. Believing what Jesus says. Believing what Jesus promises. And understanding that our burden, our sin, and our guilt is rolled away. Understanding at that moment what the Holy Spirit has caused us to have occur to us is that we've been born again and we've been born to an eternal life, a spiritual life, and a heavenly life. As we come to the Lord's table, may these things comfort us, nourish us, and prepare us to be able not just to own these things for ourselves, but to go out in the world and to testify and to be a witness. You have so many friends, you have so many family members. They love you. When you speak to them, they'll listen to you. They might not believe immediately, but in telling the story, they become believing over time. May we understand this. As we prepare now for communion,